You know, if you haven't been offended by something Jesus has said, or if following Christ hasn't been a little bit difficult for you, or if having a faith in the living God hasn't stressed you out just a little bit, I want to suggest this morning that you haven't been paying attention. We often think of Jesus as the Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Lamb of God. And so on and so on. And those are all biblical names for Christ, for God. Those are all faithful ways to think about God, but sometimes Jesus gives us a picture of what he really thinks about himself. Today might be one of those days. In preparing for uh, this morning, and looking at this passage, uh, came across many commentators and people who, who looked at this text that we just read together and thought of it as a difficult passage to interpret. A hard saying of Jesus to take in. A very difficult pill to swallow. Because we have this image of Jesus meek and mild and peaceful and wanting to bring harmony and wanting to bring love and all that other kind of stuff we like to talk about. But Jesus seems to have other plans for us today. Now understand this, in the last couple chapters of Luke, Jesus has been teaching the crowds and his disciples. At one point, Jesus, uh, Luke will say that Jesus is talking to the disciples, and then he's talking to the crowds, and then he's talking to the disciples, and he's talking to the crowds again. He's going back and forth. And he has just given a, a great parable. He has just given a great command. And after that great command, one of his disciples raises his hand and says, Jesus, is this going to be on the test? Not exactly what he says, but essentially what he was asking was, do I need to pay attention to what you're saying right now, or is this for everybody else? Jesus gives another parable, and then he comes to the passage that we read today. And we read seven verses together, and out of those seven verses, four of them end with an exclamation mark which in our language tells us, I am talking to you! Pay attention. Y'all with me? You think that I came to bring peace? No way, Jose. We have to understand, I think, and I want to make something clear. Um, when, when Jesus says, I didn't come to bring peace, in, in the church we often talk about the peace of God. The peace that surpasses all understanding. And we talk about the wholeness of God, that God wants for every single one of us. So we might get confused between uh, that which we always talk about, that God wants for us, that God has set for us, that even Jesus himself, if you remember after his resurrection, he met his disciples in the, in the room and he said to them, Peace be with you. So we may read that and may think, well, wait a minute, what's Je- what, have you lost your mind? Have you forgotten what you were here for, Jesus? 
But actually, that's not the kind of peace Jesus is talking about. If we were going to reword what Jesus said for us to understand better, I think we would be able to say it this way. I have not come to make everybody happy, happy, happy. You know why? Because one thing you learn in leadership There is no way to make everybody happy, happy, happy. And there are people who spend every breath they have trying to do so. And then they wonder why they're so upset all the time. And they wonder why they're so stressed out. And they wonder why they can't have any peace themselves. What we have to realize about happiness is that many of us, quite often, it's in us, I guess, that uh, the only thing that makes us happy is what's good for us. That's a selfish happiness. Jesus said, I didn't come to make you happy. Matter of fact, I came to rub people the wrong way. I came to get under their skin. I came to step on every one of their toes. I came to tick some people off. I came to ruffle your feathers. That is what I am here to do. Now, friends, I don't know about you. I I assume you do. I try to be like Jesus as much as I can, but I have yet to go to a church for the first time and give them that speech the very first time I meet them. But I'm thinking about maybe our next ad board meeting. No. But it's important for us to realize that Jesus says... I didn't come to make you happy. Not at all. Now we hear that and we think, well, wait a minute. I thought that's what Christmas was all about. I thought that's what Easter tells us. That we can be happy, that we can be joyful, that we can be all those things we think we want to be. And so as we hear Jesus being so, uh, so uh, blunt, we think that's shocking. We think that's surprising. It doesn't sound like Jesus at all. But I'm here to affirm to you, maybe even tell you for the first time, this isn't shocking at all. We should almost kind of expect Jesus to say something like this. As a matter of fact, he isn't saying anything that somebody else hasn't already said before. Maybe you remember the Christmas story as Jesus is brought to the temple to be presented. There's a man named Simeon there. And he is overjoyed. He has waited all his life to see Jesus. And as that baby is brought in, he can't can't help but worship God. And one of the things he tells Mary, if you remember, is that this child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel. And to be a sign that will be opposed. You know why? Some people would oppose him because he didn't come to make anybody happy, happy, happy. And that's why they did that to him. See, some people are, are, are able to see and hear God's word and what Jesus has to say. 
And that's part of what Jesus is trying to get his disciples and all those people there to realize, to interpret what is happening before you, to interpret what you hear, what you see. Recognize that it is God's kingdom right in front of you. Some people want to do that. Some people can do that. Some people only want to hear what they want to hear. And that's what they can't stand about Jesus. But even before Simeon, the prophet Micah in the Old Testament, he comes into the picture. And Micah had been dealing with a people who have turned away from God, and there's this conversation in the book of Micah between God and the prophet back and forth. And Micah finally gets to a point where he realizes that no one will be able to be trusted because everyone has turned from God. Even the most basic, maybe even the most important unit of all, the family unit, will turn away. They've turned away from God, so certainly, the prophet finds out, they will turn away from him. And that image of the household divided, father against son, son against father, daughter against a mother and mother against daughters and in-laws having trouble with the in-laws that started in the Bible. But that's something that Micah said and Jesus just repeated. Whenever Jesus does that, it's always helpful to go back and see what the prophet himself had to say. And I love that because after Micah realizes that his house will be divided, that there will be no one else to trust. His very next words are these. But as for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Despite what is happening around him, despite his circumstances, despite the turmoil that he faces, despite uh, the turning away of everyone else around him, Micah has determined that he will not turn against God. And what we hear from him is that he will have faith. That Micah will have faith that God will sustain him. And that faith, that kind of faith that is willing to stand against anyone else who is not willing to have it, is what Jesus is talking to us about today. Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He knew what was awaiting him. And he had heard these words from Michael before. Maybe Mary or Joseph had told him about what Simeon had said before. But at the very least, we reckon, he recognizes that this is what I'm about. And that when I stand up for good, and when I present the kingdom of God, and that when I am faithful to what God has called me to do, you know what? Not everybody appreciates it. Jesus recognizes that. But he's still faithful, isn't he? He still makes his way to Jerusalem. He still makes his way down the path. And he still finds himself on the cross. You see, friends, I have an issue. I try to be um, nice and I try to give benefits of the doubt and all that stuff. But I I can't stand uh, 
when I hear, and I have heard preachers or anybody else that will say something like, you know what, if you just come to Jesus, everything will be all right. All your problems will be wiped away. And every day, every day is going to be a joyful day if you just come to Jesus. Friends, faith is hard. Being faithful to the kingdom of God, being faithful to following Christ can be difficult. Because faith is going to bring complications. Jesus once said, because you follow me, others are going to hate you for it. They hated me. You don't think they're going to hate you too? We have to recognize that faith in Christ is not always easy. And it's not just about Christmas and Easter. I say that because I think Christmas and Easter, those are the two high points in the church. And we love to celebrate Christmas and Easter because those are two joyful occasions. The peace of God coming to the earth at Christmas. Baby Jesus there in the middle. Oh, we just love babies and all that stuff. And then we get to Easter and the bunny and I don't quite know where that figures in, but we're happy. And this was a week ago. We're in a store. It's the middle of August. And you know, as I walked into the store, I turned to the right. Do you know what half of the store was filled with? Christmas stuff. In the middle of July. Now here's what I know about stores. They're not going to try to sell something that people are not going to start buying. So four months before, before Christmas, we have Christmas stuff on sale because we like Christmas and peace and presents and all that good stuff. And if the calculation continues through, that means in January, you're going to walk into a store, and you know what they're going to be selling stuff for them? Easter. Because we like Easter and the eggs, and we like to decorate, we love the chocolate. Hello. Those things are easy. Those things are easy to look forward to. Those things are joyous. But what about every other day in life? Days that can be filled with complications. Days that can be filled with hurt, frustration, disappointment. Are we able to have faith then? What about the days when our faith in God divides our house? When a friend looks at us crazy because we say we have a faith in God. When someone says, you're one of those, aren't you? Can we have faith then. And that's what Jesus wants to know. When we have that faith in God, we have to realize that it's not going to make everybody happy, happy, or happy. But our faith has to be in the great work that God has already done, faith in what God can do, and faith in what God will do. From now on, Jesus says. You see, last week I, I reminded you that the most important message for Jesus, the most important thing to Jesus was the... It's only been seven days, y'all. And it's only Jesus that was talking, you know. But the most important thing to Jesus was the kingdom of God. And I reminded you, hopefully, that the kingdom of God brings 
change, but we have to realize that just because it's changing us and just because we're allowing it to change us doesn't mean it's already changed everybody else around us, which is where the division comes in, which is where the hurt can be, which is where we may need to have more faith and more patience. We have to be able to let God's kingdom be built around us, and we have to be, in the meantime, willing to start building ourselves. That's what Jesus is talking about. Pay attention, maybe he says. But that's why I love this passage from the book of Hebrews as well. As you heard those verses, hopefully you had in your mind images of Bible stories, people that have since passed on. Some of them were named. We consider them Bible heroes. Some of them will never know who they are. But they're all put together in a compilation of faithfulness. They're saying, you remember when the people crossed the Red Sea? You know what? They had somebody that was against them. Oh, Pharaoh. They even had something that was against them in front of them. A sea. But their faith did something. Oh, Gideon, boy, he did mighty things. Barak did mighty things. All these people did great things. And friends, you and I can do great things too. And what I think that what the Hebrew writer was trying to remind us of is that they had to hold on to faith. They had to persevere. Why? Because faith can be difficult. If it's not difficult, there's no persevering. But Hebrews says, let us hold on with perseverance. Because faith can be hard. But there's something else about that list that I really appreciate. All the people that are named, at least. You can think about Moses and the people. You can think about Gideon. You can think about the others. If you read through their stories... Because we think of them now as heroes, we might think that, oh man, they just stood up and they just went through and they burrowed and it was great. But that's not how the stories go. Moses wondered, really, God, you want me to do what? The people murmured against each other as they were crossing and as they went through. Gideon doubted and so did the others. But you know what? They had faith. And their faith brought them through. So I think part of what Jesus might be telling us this morning is that this is the kind of faith that I want for each one of you. A faith that recognizes it is not going to be easy. A faith that recognizes just because you believe there will be things against you. But if you, friends, are paying attention That is the kind of faith that Jesus is calling us to. Like it or not, be happy about it if you want. But understand, Christ is calling us to greater faithfulness. And, I'm convinced, Christ believes that we can do it. So, If uh, you want to begin a a, a new time of faith, no matter where you are in your faith walk, if you want to um, 
follow that to a line of greater faithfulness, then we should pray. Um, because quite often, um, um, we aren't very faithful. God wants us to be. So then let's pray. Oh God, it is only by your grace and the work that you are willing to do that we can have any chance of being faithful to you. So what we ask, God, is that you would fill us with your grace, you would forgive us for our unfaithfulness, that you would renew our hearts and our minds this very day so that we can set from here our minds to follow you more closely and more faithfully. In Jesus' name.